0: Welcome to Have You Heard, an IDF podcast. This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation, a nonprofit organization that improves the diagnosis, treatment, and quality of life of people affected by primary immunodeficiency. People living with PI are the zebras of the medical world, and the IDF community is one big zebra herd. In early 2022, IDF welcomed Jory Berry as president and CEO. Jory has spent much of her rich career in leadership roles for nonprofit organizations such as ours. For that reason, as well as no shortage of others, her selection to lead our efforts in service of the PI community felt natural from the start. Let's see what she has to say.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Have You Heard? Today, we're going to have a Q&A with Jury Berry, and I'm your host, Tammy Black. About five months ago, in early January, Drury began her tenure here with us at IDF. She brought with her an extensive knowledge of nonprofit organizational management and public policy and more than two decades of work with March of Dimes. Most recently, and perhaps notably for our listeners, she led an extensive rebranding effort at March of Dimes to focus more on a topic near and dear to the hearts of the PI community, health equity. More specifically, this shift in branding reflected a desire to bring awareness and bolster advocacy efforts for mothers and babies in traditionally underserved areas. Considering all of this, it's easy to understand why the Board of Trustees appointed her to serve as our president and CEO after a nationwide search. Juri joining us today to talk about her first few months as president, as well as the path that led her here and what the future may look like for IDF. Welcome to the podcast, Juri. We're so glad to have you.
2: Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Great. Tell, tell us a bit about your yourself and your professional background.
2: Well, I guess I'll start a little bit um, about me personally. I live in Texas. I don't really think that's a secret because I've been told I have an accent,
0: but I'm in a, a
2: small community called Fredericksburg. It's in the Texas Hill Country, and it's uh, outside of Austin and San Antonio. My husband, Scott, and I have been married for 27 years. We have one adult son, Aiden, who's almost 24. And I have to say I'm a diehard Texas A&M University fan. It's where I went to school. So I'm a big Texas Aggie. But my other loves um, also include a two-year-old golden doodle, Charlie, and our gray tabby cat scout who really honestly runs our entire house. Um, but But professionally, as you mentioned i've worked in the nonprofit sector um, in particular for over 20 years i spent two decades with the march of dimes in a in a variety of roles that could have been staff and volunteer management internal communications i've been over revenue um, definitely the last few years i was there i led change management so i did a little bit of everything during those 20 years but for almost half of that time and you mentioned this as well I held leadership roles in advocacy and government affairs and that's also what I did before I even joined the march of dimes. And even before that I was a junior high and high school English teacher just right out of college, I had this vision that I was going to be a mystery novel writer, which is why I got my degree in English, Um, but then I realized I needed to pay the bills, so I started teaching. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we all had a passion when we, we were younger that we realized wasn't gonna pay the bills for sure. Drew, you have so much experience and just a broad array of specializations. You know, public policy and change management and health equity. What do you think in your career experience has best prepared you to lead IDF?
2: You see a lot of change over the course of 20 years with one organization, um, especially a legacy organization like the March of Dimes that was founded in the late 1930s, and it needed to grow and transform during um, pivotal moments in its history, and I got to, you know, be witness to that. And then also, as you mentioned, I was there when they took on health equity as a really key focus as well. But probably what helped me prepare the most, if I just look back kind of career experience wise, was the fact that I held so many varied roles while I was there. I was really fortunate enough to get experience working directly with families we served and you know, advocating for them. Um, I got to understand donor stewardship and be over fundraising. I learned how to create you know, organizational development plans and really the value of building culture internally and then definitely how to manage through change. Because um, while I was there, there was a lot of it and those are just I think key areas that every nonprofit leader must have some familiarity with, regardless of the mission, but truly knowing who you serve and why, why you exist and keeping a laser focus on that really trumps everything. And I really feel I had the opportunity to develop that kind of deep understanding in all those various roles I held.
1: That's really great. Um, and I know your change management expertise, we've already put that to the test in your first few months for sure. <laughs> um, we've survived the pandemic, but we have a lot more change in our future, I know. That's okay, um, I'm
2: very comfortable <laughs> in that space though. I'm one of those odd odd ducks that loves that. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, what is your vision for IDS contributions to the PI and the medical communities under your leadership?
2: Well, I think, um, Honestly, IDF internally has really thought through this, even really even before I join. And those kind of outcome-focused tenants absolutely align with my own thoughts um, when it comes to IDF's impact. So, you know that the that the PI community feels empowered and supported to positively affect their quality of life, and that we have system-level change. Um, that improves access and quality of healthcare. And I know that that really can only be achieved by increased um, collaboration with our stakeholders. And I know that that was something that was a priority internally even before I um, joined the organization. And that through outreach and awareness to both the medical community and the undiagnosed that we can shorten the time to diagnosis and treatment. That is one of our key strategic priorities. And really most importantly, that individuals that are affected by primary immune deficiency can live longer and healthier lives.
1: Yeah, I think that's really key. You know, we talk a lot about the, the average time to diagnosis is 9 to 15 years, but I'll, I'll tell you, in the two and a half years I've been here, I've met an awful lot of people that are more like 20 and 30 years before they ever decades. found a diagnosis. Yep, yeah,
2: decades
1: it's it's just a, it's just an absolute life changer in the quality of care once you're able to name what's wrong with you um, based on your first few months here and in, in your observations what are the what are the strengths of idf
2: oh my gosh there are several um, probably what bubbles up to the to the top is such a passionate and devoted community i mean just how powerful the collective voice the PI community is when everyone comes together and just that passion um, and commitment that they bring whether it's advocating or uh, being so willing to share their story to build awareness or participating in all of the engagement opportunities that IDF provides it's just so impressive the strong reputation IDF has among stakeholders I'm Seeing that and, and um, learning that and realizing that, you know, every day as I more and more um, come to contact and, and work with our stakeholders and get introduced to them, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention our partners who share our commitment and we have this shared vision to improve the lives of all people living with primary um, immunodeficiency. Um, that's just kind of been a breath of fresh air as well. And then, you know. I have to say, we have a pretty amazing team internally at IDF. That's definitely a strength of ours also. I'll
1: have to pay you for that later. (laughs) (laughs) Surgery, in just the last month or so, I know you've been traveling a lot. You've been to, to my recollection, I think three medical conferences just in a little over a month. So the Clinical Immunology Society and what we internally call Quad AI, but it's the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. And just last week, the National Health Council. It's a lot of diving into a lot of deep science that you didn't even know you needed to know six months ago. How have you been tackling learning about all 431 different diagnoses of primary immunodeficiency?
2: Well, I'll tell you, this is um, it's daunting. I would be uh, lying if I said that it wasn't. That being said, this really is kind of where i have to uh i don't know walk the talk with what i say is one of my leadership styles which is to surround myself with people who are smarter than i am because that has definitely been a key theme and i am so fortunate to be surrounded by um experts but you know whether it be um our medical advisory committee whether it's our staff which we have incredible talent there Um, other um, organizations and and learned from them other partners Um, it's also the the even the patient community what they have taught me our own board with their own stories. Um, i've definitely learned a lot just by sheer um, conversations, but that aside it's a lot of studying and a lot of asking questions. This is definitely an area where I cannot pretend to know what I don't know. So I don't even try. Um, I signed up for a lot of Google alerts um, and I've definitely have accessed our patient and family handbook. Um, I love the children's book, our immune system. I needed that, that was right on my level. <laughs> um, and, just so, and just so many resources from our website and there's just a wealth of information on our on our website. And it's just, I've been fortunate to have Um, members of our community and members of our staff help guide me with probably what is most important that I learn first and get some foundational knowledge before branching out but again thankfully I'm always surrounded by people who are smarter than I am.
1: It's been a great sort of test case to have you here as we're kind of creating new materials to know that like it's nice to have new eyes on things and somebody from an outsider's perspective, because so many of us have been here long enough that sometimes we talk in too much internal speak. So it's been really helpful to have some new eyes. And I know when I first started that our immune system book was the first thing I brought home too. And my husband made fun of me for reading a children's book. And I'm like, Hey, I'm learning, you know, you just learned go. <laughs>
2: I totally agree. i and I'm happy I can serve that role. I can be the, you know, the one that is kind of the test case because this is all new. But it's also um, I'm just it also opens my eyes, my eyes to how much information and how many resources IDF does provide. So it's been extremely helpful.
1: Right. And how overwhelming it might be for a newly diagnosed <laughs> parent of a young child, you know, I can't even I totally imagine. Agree.
2: I couldn't even imagine.
1: We're going to take a quick break and tell you about some of the exciting resources that IDF has to offer the PI community, and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
0: A strong united voice can influence public policy issues that impact your health and access to care. Reaching out to your public officials is simple and quick with the IDF Action Alert System. When we need elected officials and other policymakers to hear the PI community's perspective, you will be notified by email. Customize each alert with your name and contact information and hit send. It's that easy. The alert goes directly to your designated policymaker and you instantly join the process of democracy and create change. To learn more and to sign on for Action Alerts, visit primaryimmune.org actionalerts
1: And we're back. We're answering questions with IDF's new president and CEO, Jerry Berry. Jerry, what are the most significant challenges that you think that IDF faces? And how do you intend to approach those challenges?
2: Well, I would say that probably our three strategic priorities address some of what I see are our biggest challenges, which makes sense. And um, you know, that's a good thing, because it means that we have a plan or working on a plan to address them. I would say, um, you know, in in no particular order, um, increasing health equity and access to quality care, you know, we knew this before the last two years, but definitely during the last two years, um, you know, improving access is critical to a healthy society, and that is definitely a challenge. Of diversifying and growing the IDF community. There are so many people that are affected by PI. We talked a little bit about it already. Um, who go undiagnosed each year and we're on a mission to find them, but it's also a challenge in and of itself. Sometimes it's, you know, how do you find people who don't know they need to be found? And then shortening the time to diagnosis It's one of the first things that resonated with me whenever I was even of researching IDF to prepare for my interview and to learn more about the organization and its mission. Just that average time, and you mentioned it already, that average time between onset of symptoms and and diagnosis, 9 to 15 years, And, and that's a devastating time period alone, but we know, we talked about it, there are actually others that can go decades of just being chronically ill and not having answers and not knowing why and we just have to work hard to shorten that time so that quality of life can improve. And the good news is those are, you know, those are our three strategic priorities for this year and for the foreseeable future. So we're about to kick off our 2023 strategic planning process. We're going to build upon this year's work in those areas but also think bigger and bolder as well.
1: Great. What what do you think that we're going to be tackling for? First. Like I know that you now, I think, have only been here what, four months? It's 16 weeks. It's not very long, right? Um, and we have a lot going on and a lot of events and our conferences coming up. Like, what is the thing that you're gonna tackle first in the we're really excited to be moving forward with this new initiative? Is it is it the shortening to time to diagnosis? Is it the health equity piece? Like what, what on that list is the thing that you're like? This, this is something that we're just going to grab and take the ball and run with it.
2: Well, if I really stop to think about where I think we can really start to move the needle and bring some you know, impact sooner rather than later, um, I definitely want to focus in on shortening the time to diagnosis. I know that that journey can feel so isolating and I just know that there's a lot that we can do within our strategic planning process There's a lot of resources that we have right now that if we put some different strategies in place that we can um, get our information, raise that index of suspicion with our healthcare professionals, and then at the same time bring um, heightened awareness just to the general public so that um, individuals can can evaluate whether they're having chronic infections, unusual infections, that maybe this is something that they also need to explore, whether it's coming to IDF or whether having uh, different conversations with their healthcare providers. That being said, there is a lot. I don't want to negate the fact that we are um, really working on our health equity strategy and we do have some solid plans in place to diversify and grow our IDF community. And that kind of in and of itself will help address increasing health equity and and um, reducing barriers to quality care. Some of those are kind of intertwined, but it's really that shortening time to diagnosis that I feel like we can make some measurable improvement in. in. And I just, you know, our, you know, our community is, um, is waiting for that. It's a challenge though, because sometimes it's, how do you, you, know, how do you find people who don't even know they need to be found?
1: the real the one silver lining of the last two years I think is that the general public really understands at least a little better of what it means to be immunocompromised and I know that uh, kind of now's the time right for us to really spread our message and
2: and it's funny that you would say that because that's also another challenge that I thought that I when I was kind of thinking of your question initially I was thinking and that's kind of a, you bring up something that i thought of as, as well. You know, the the pandemic, the COVID-19 um, pandemic, it really highlighted the challenges of the immunocompromised. And all of a sudden everyone was, you know, were wearing masks and the world was talking about the immune system. But when I think of it also as a challenge, people have short memories. Yeah. And, you know, as mask mandates end and precautions kind of fade, you know, how do we keep the concerns of our community Top of mind, not only with, you know, advocacy and in, in government affairs arena, but like you mentioned with the with the general public at large.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know when I talk to people within my life, I'm not immunocompromised, and talk about the fact that our offices continue to be remote for two years and two months and, and plan to be for the foreseeable future. They're like, yeah, but when are you going back? I'm like, no, I don't think you understand. Like, we're, we're modeling what we want a workforce to be like that protects and represents all of us. And so that's really interesting. Even I think that is helping to spread the word just a little bit. I agree. Um, I'd love to know what about IDF has surprised you the most so far?
2: Oh my gosh, there are several. several all pleasant surprises, I might add. <laughs> um, I already uh, mentioned one, one of them, just the power in you know the passion, the commitment, the power in that collective voice of the PI community. Yeah, you know, I know we recently just had our virtual advocacy day and I'm starting to see the numbers, which is pretty astounding. And um, when I whether I'm on a forum or as I'm you know we're gearing up for a walk for a PI or as I've heard about how conferences have gone in the past, just really that um, engagement that I have seen from our community in big numbers um, has been you know I don't know uh, really impressive, and that we we truly all you know I always feel like some um, And sometimes I'll say that, you know, an organization or a person can kind of be a legend in their own mind. But that is not the case for IDF. And I, you know, I kind of came in to really see what it was like. We really are the go to patient advocacy organization for the PI community. And we really are this this trusted source of science based information and resources, whether you're a patient, family, caregiver or a physician. You know, you know, we're not a legend our own mind. This is a this is a reality. And I have just been um again really impressed by that. I also have really, as I've you know learned more and met more of our stakeholders, just really understanding we do represent a broad national network of patients and scientists and leading immunologists and healthcare professionals. Some of the calls that I've been on and the individuals that were on those calls with me. I wasn't really sure should I be in the room? I mean this this <laughs> is such an impress, impressive list. I kind of felt like I was, you know, I should I be at this table? Maybe we should on the side, but it's not. It's that's just IDF and that's um who's in our network, which is incredibly impressive. We have a really strong reputation and legacy and then just internally you know IDF as an organization now that i know what the or at least a little bit the internal infrastructure looks like i'm i'm again i'm just really impressed maybe a little bit amazed at what the organization is able to execute with pretty limited human capital you know we don't have a lot of staff you know that but they're laser focused on serving our community and it shows
1: yeah that's a great segue into my next question which is you come from an organization that's much larger than IDF and staff size and footprint and kind of length of legacy and time. Um, what aspects of the work that you did there are you hoping to bring to IDF in the, P, in the PI community?
2: So I think how I'll answer that question is by describing what I really feel is maybe my um, proudest accomplishment or my most meaningful accomplishment while I was at the March of Dimes, because it kind of brings in all of the aspects that I would also want to take with me, um, you know, to my role at IDF. So throughout my tenure at March of Dimes, I, you know, I mentioned I had the opportunity to meet and work with families that were affected by its mission, and there have been, you know, numerous meaningful moments, as you can imagine, um, that kind of comes um, through that, and that will remain with me over those. Those 20 years, but one that will forever stand out is an advocacy initiative that I led to expand newborn screening in Texas in 2005 so newborn screening oh my gosh IDF knows all about newborn screening. So this was uh, later on, I would be involved kind of at a regional level when um, skid was added to the recommended panel, but this was before that, so this was in 2005 and this was specifically in Texas. And so this effort requires, here's one of the aspects that I'd want to bring in. This th- this effort required connecting and aligning and engaging, oh my gosh, state state agency departments, elected officials, um, physician groups, hospital associations, you know, for profit companies, every coalition you could imagine, um, other nonprofits like inpatient advocacy groups, like you know, like an IDF and down the line. Um, towards this common goal, and that was to expand the number of disorders in the in the core panel. At the time, Texas um, had 360,000 newborns that were screened annually. And just a side note, California, because you know everything's bigger in Texas, we have to say that. <laughs> a side note, California <laughs> did, does have a larger um, annual birth population, but because Texas screened every newborn twice, it made it the largest newborn screening endeavor in the country. So you know, I always had to note that. But we began the journey in 2002 and we were preparing for the 2003 legislative session and then we continued through the 2005 legislative session and we succeeded in expanding newborn screening. I think we went from seven to I wanna say 21 or 23 disorders at the time. So, for three years, I worked with stakeholders and communities representing families that were affected by newborn screening disorders. So, for three years, um, our ambassador family joined me at the state capitol to share their son's story. You know, I, I pushed around his wheelchair over the course of those three years in the halls of the capitol. And I watched this beautiful boy's family share really a heart wrenching story. And they did it in order to pass legislation that while it was too late to help their son, they were paying it forward so other families could benefit. And I was just remember how humbled I felt through that process because my son, you know, I was about the same age at the time as our ambassador family's son. And he hadn't been affected by a newborn, a disorder that could be detected through newborn screening that, you know, wasn't on the panel. So about two years after the legislation passed and the expansion um, was implemented, um, the Texas State Health Department sent me this simple Excel spreadsheet. And all of it had on one column was a list of the disorders that had been successfully added to the core panel through the expansion. And then next to that column was a number. And it was the number of newborns who had been detected with that particular disorder over the course of, you know whatever time period that report I, I was sent covered. So to anyone else, I think that those, those were just like numbers on a spreadsheet. But to me, I saw the face of our ambassador family that I'd had the privilege to work with throughout our advocacy. I saw Peter's face just over and over again. And I will just cherish that day forever.
1: That's amazing. It's an amazing story. We've Talked a lot about the strategic vision for the organization and and a lot of what you bring to the table. I'd love to know what's coming up in the rest of 2022 that you're most excited about.
2: Well, I am. Ex- I have to say, really, and you know a lot about this, Tammy. I am really excited about the reimagined PI conference this fall. Um, and again, I know your team's played a big role. It's really kind of bringing everyone across the organization to. Um, Kind of develop this plan. And the, I love the theme of this year's event, In Focus, and the three tracks that have been identified knowing your diagnosis, understanding the science, navigating the journey. Um, I'm really excited about uh, re energize and re strategize Walk for PI and the new locations and experiences that the IDF team is creating. And we have the teen, as you know, the teen and young adult escape in July. I really think we're trying like other organizations um, to take the lessons learned from being you know, solely virtual in the past and how. you know The benefits of some of that in scaling and being more inclusive, but at the same time, figure out what hybrid looks like for us, at least in 2022 and to offer some opportunities for in person connection. So i'm really excited about those are kind of three that are top of mind, because I see so much activity happening and um, it's just kind of gonna be a. It's going to marry both education and connection um, for our, and a little bit of fundraising for our um, community. And those are three things that get me really excited.
1: I want to thank you for sharing your time with us this morning and for, for answering our questions. Um, I know our listeners appreciate you taking the time to fill us in on your thoughts about the future of IDF and get to know you a little bit better. So I want to thank you for that. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that you could share with our community that I didn't ask you about this morning?
2: Oh, probably just to thank them. Um, Probably wanted to say how appreciative I am for how welcoming everyone has been, for um, the guidance that I've received, for um, just really uh, making it just such a wonderful onboarding experience, also giving me a lot of grace as I navigate into this new role and and learn these, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, the, the, I'm not unfamiliar to the world of, of rare, rare conditions, but this is definitely different, different. And there is a, you know, a learning curve and there's been so much grace given. And also just to um, let the community know how excited I am for them to experience and to experience with them some of our upcoming reimagined opportunities to connect, whether that's you know walk for pi or a pi conference. we've got some exciting some exciting moments um, as we kind of get through the rest of twenty twenty two and kind of peek out our door and see what we want to continue to do virtually and and when we want to have moments to actually engage in person and I'm excited to be a part of that and excited to meet some of some of our community members in person in the near future.
1: yeah, I think we're all excited to be back to a, a little bit of in person this year in twenty twenty two and kind of reimagine what hybrid means for, for all of us a little bit. Thank you again for your time today, and uh, thank you to our listeners.
0: This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation. If you like our show and want to learn more, please subscribe to this podcast so future episodes will be sent to your device automatically, and leave us a review on iTunes so that others may discover this podcast as well. To learn more about primary immunodeficiency and the PI community, please visit the IDF website at primaryimmune.org. For more information on how to get engaged in advocacy on behalf of the PI community, check out IDF's Patient Advocacy Engagement Toolkit at primaryimmune.org. If you have a question you would like answered, email us at idf at primaryimmune.org. Thanks for tuning in.